Hey, everybody. Really fantastic Monday morning show today. We discuss some of the action in the NFT space, like Valhalla running up a bit, actually the number one entity on OpenSea in terms of volume traded. We also discuss projects like MFers, considering that Sartoshi has emerged. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we discuss that and you know talk about the potential future of a project like that. We also discuss the VFriends and Gary Vaynerchuk ecosystem ahead of the VCon conference and whether that's a buy. And then last but not least, have a discussion on what value accrual and NFTs really means. Is it always necessary for these different entities to drop NFT collections and what it means to actually have a business backing up the NFT? Today's show is sponsored by Shrapnel, which is a triple A level game that's being built with Unreal Engine on the AVAX blockchain. They talk about the gameplay, the approach to building the game, what the backgrounds of the founders are and everything in between. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, December 12th, and you have tuned into the NFT Morning Show. We run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, each and every week, where we discuss all things NFT market, crypto, Web3, technology, gaming, and everything in between. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, Nifty Nick. These days, he's known as the investigator. You might have seen the trailer to the movie that nobody asked for and nobody wants to see, even after they watch the trailer. But Nifty Nick, he's putting on his investigator glasses, and he's taken on New York City, and really, quite frankly, taken on the world. So you'll see more and more of the investigator as the days, weeks, months, even years go on. Signal... One of the most sophisticated market participants that I know, the author of the Nifty Daily Digest, she writes that newsletter five days a week. You can uh, subscribe at thenifty.com. Love having her on the show. Love hearing her thoughts on what's going on in the NFT and crypto markets. Easy Eats Bodega, the host of GMGM Market Talk and Web3 Made Easy, the founder of Oh, I'm not going to tell you the name yet, but it's an NFT collection that's going to hit a blockchain near you. The Solana Celebrity, a rising star in content creation. One of my amigos, Easy Eats Bodega. And then Easy's co-host, Bunny. He's got that red board ape. Nick doesn't follow him, though. We loved having him on the show on Friday. I'm excited to have him on again today. And he's been crushing it on Easy shows. Love having new speakers getting in the mix. And last but not well, no, not last but not least, but King Kicks, the CEO of Crypto Raiders, the intelligent degenerate, the co-founder in the Nifty, and one of the most sophisticated gamblers that I know. Nobody made more money than this guy in the 2021 NBA, NFT uh, bull run. Almost said the NBA bull run. He doesn't play basketball, but he definitely plays trading JPEGs. And then. If I did play basketball, I would have played with the Bulls, of course. You know it, P.O. And also, just going forward, if you don't mind adding in to my bio that I'm a talented, uh, hand-drawn artist uh, going forward, I really appreciate that because I'm, I'm trying to build up that part of my career. I Thank have you. seen the incredibly strong talent that you've demonstrated with your hand-drawn artwork. It is kind of crazy how quickly you're able to churn out such robust and rich artwork um, around the same time that everybody else is churning out similar artwork using AI. How exactly were you able to kind of you know um, cultivate that skill set at such an opportune time? Well, I'm a quick learner and I'm also ambidextrous. So I've just been using both my hands to just draw at the exact same time. <laughs> so I'm able to 
push it out about twice as quick. Some people like jokingly was like, you should get your feet involved in Forex that output. And uh, it's not really a joke for me. It's a serious consideration. <laughs> so you're drawing with, but like you got a, a pencil in both hands or whatever you paint with, you're very advanced and you're using both hands at the same time. I feel like to get the feet involved, you might have to, you know, increase your flexibility. You're going to be on the yoga mats in preparation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Fio. Uh, honestly, right now, that's that's what's holding me back. I think the feet have it in terms of like you know the the ability to produce detailed work. Like if I was just working with just my feet, I'd be fine. But yeah, it's both of them at the same time. You really need that flexibility, and you also need a strong, uh, you know, core. Those abs really got to stay locked in, or else you're gonna you know mess up those brush strokes. So it's gonna be a while before I you know I can get to that level. But I mean, you know, my output is still strong, so I'm you know I'm not in a rush. Awesome. Well, yeah, maybe some frog pose in yoga, maybe some Pilates for that core. And before you know it, you'll be cranking the, the art out at 4X the speed instead of 2X the speed. We also have Depeche Node on stage repping that flaming hair moonbird. Node is the host of Node Mode, the art-focused podcast on our network. He had NFT statistics on the show last week. It was a badass episode. If you're into analysis of the NFT market from a data perspective, that's the show to listen to. He's also got some sick guests. Who else we got coming up? You have some sick guests coming up, Node. We do, although you told me that our guest this week may be bailing on me, so I'm, not, I'm afraid to announce. Okay, but who else? We got other ones, right? We do. Uh, let's see. Next month, uh, let's see who we got. Zeneca. Do, Zeneca's coming that? on. Zeneca's, yeah, Zeneca's coming, coming on. on on the 22nd. Yeah, so that's that. he's coming up in a couple of weeks. It'll be my biggest... My biggest guest yet in terms of Twitter followers, uh, which is great. Uh, and, and I'm a big fan of Zeneca. Uh, obviously, he's doing well. So, uh, And then I, dude, I'm honestly, I'm spacing. I, I already have almost all my guests lined up through January. And, oh, Art Gnome is coming on in January, who, if you don't know who Art Gnome is, he is like this legendary OG uh, NFT collector. He bought X copies of like very first NFT. So he's he's going to be fantastic to have on the show. That sounds legendary. Can't wait to hear that story. Uh, everybody check out Node Mode on Apple and Spotify podcasts or on YouTube.com. We also stream it to Twitter because I know how, none of y'all leave Twitter. Nick? How's your voice still gone? What do you mean? What's going on? This is, this is more than a week in the making. It's uh, your, your voice seems, seems still, uh, you, you haven't been drinking tea. You're right. Uh, but I do have tea in my home. I have bags of tea, tea bags. And I also, at the farmer's market on Saturday, purchased uh, raw local honey. And it was the raw, unfiltered local honey. And it was the kind that the gentleman selling it told me was best for cough and cold. So I ate a spoonful of it, but I haven't had tea with it in it yet. But I will. I will. Dude, New York is one of those places where I feel like I don't want raw local honey. It's just like straight up pollution and like do the bees just pollinate the trash? Like you got to come out here and get the mountain honey, dude. Okay. Dude, well, for we have a lot of beautiful natural bees floating around the city. Uh, and, and yeah, they do hang out in the trash, but that gives you uh, the, it, it helps you develop your, I forget the words for it, but um, it helps your defenses. You know, your immune system, your, your immunity. There's a word for what you're, what I'm dis discussing here, but uh, antibodies, no. antibodies. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. It's for your antibodies. You meant vitamin G okay. for garbage. <laughs> 
No, the the bees aren't like dumpster bees. They're they're from farms outside of town. Like in New York, you get really good stuff from farms outside of town. Uh, so it is it is fantastic. The farmers market scene in New York is really good. Um, but finishing up the introductions, we also have B Check, who uh, is a writer in the NFT space. Eleven hundred and fifty plus reading his newsletter. Excited to have him uh, on the show and excited, uh, you know, to have him on the team. Um, and of course, we have our sponsors from Shrapnel. So today's show, ladies. Ladies and gentlemen, is sponsored by Shrapnel. We're very excited. If you retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow at Play Shrapnel on Twitter, you'll be entered for a chance to win one of two operator NFTs that we're going to be giving away on our show today. Shrapnel is the world's first moddable AAA extraction first-person shooter. It's powered by community-driven tools. And of course, it's built on the blockchain to offer true ownership on AVAX. So I'm very excited to hear about you know Shrapnel in depth later on in the show and learn more about AVAX as a platform to uh, operate on for a AAA gaming entity. We love having gaming entities on the show. We love learning about the future of gaming. Obviously, Kix is the CEO of a gaming entity, so we have a, uh, an insider that can help us with the questions. But, you know, it's going to be a jam. I mean, either way, we got a lot to talk about today. Before I go any further, Easy, how are you doing? We're living well. We're living well. Things are doing great across the, uh, the NFT space. Crypto's taking a little bit of a hit here, but hey, could be worse. It could be is a that, zero. Is that hit? Uh, a a pricing in of potential you know Binance rumors. I think so. Um, CZ's been firing off the tweets from the official Binance account. They put a little Christmas hat on the Binance logo, so I think they're deflecting. But uh, they came out and said Reuters was wrong. Released a full blog on it, basically saying like we are not being investigated by the DOJ. You have a bunch of people coming out saying the DOJ is split on whether to press charges from a 2018 investigation. Uh, you have CZ's old tweets popping back up that says if anybody moves around a ton of funds after showing proof of reserves, they're filling a gap, which Binance did. Uh, we basically talked a ton about it this morning on GMT Market Talk. Yes, Sunshine. I got a question for you, big dog. Hey, anything for you. The um, best charcoal artist I know. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, the proof of reserves, did they do that for all of their tokens or just for Bitcoin? I believe it was for the entirety of it. But the issue was they didn't show any liabilities against it. So they basically just said like, yeah, we have all these tokens, but we don't know what it's being leveraged against, which was like the big question mark. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. because uh, someone, I read a tweet today. Someone said uh, that they took like a three, four billion loss on Luna and a half a billion loss on FTT. Um, yeah, they make bag that. holders look, uh, <laughs> they make bag holders look good because they've just not exited any of those, despite yeah, being right on both of them. Exactly. There's not that many project or companies out there that can take three point five billion dollars in, in body shots to the uh you know to the liability side. Um wait, sorry, three point five billion? Yes. Well, three billion for Luna and half a billion for FTT. All right. Well that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> what do you I'm, mean? I'm sure they're fine, Nick. I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, what do you mean? Usually that's totally okay. It's just crazy that in crypto that money just went poof. You know, like in in what like how is Tesla going to take a three and a half billion dollar loss next year? You know what I mean? You say like, it went poof, but those short sellers got paid. <laughs> I don't know, Nick. What do you think? Do, do you think Binance is going to go put, under? Put it this way: uh, Coinbase has five billion in cash and short term investments. 
Um, they also have, uh, they have, it says total assets of 111 billion, but liabilities of 105 billion, which I'm assuming is customer deposits, which means that maybe they have 10 billion in, uh, like, uh, assets that they have access to. Um, so if they totally have like 10 billion and, and, uh, they're one of the biggest players and, uh, uh, Binance lost 3.5 billion. That is quite a hit. Um, like as big as this space is, it's not that big. Well, and I, and I guess, and I guess we have to clarify something um, that I, it's it's not like it's not like they bought three billion dollars worth of Luna and then it went to zero, right? Like their their like costs on that position may have like been much cheaper. It may have been like 50 million or 100 million, but like they. If they were like, you know, taking out loans against that money, right, then we get into like the FTX problem. Yeah, which is only speculation at this point in time. So I don't know what to, I don't know what to think, think about that. Either way we ride, right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, how much worse it get? <laughs> hey, either way, fuck it. We're just going to keep it going. I mean, at this point, it, you might as well send them all to, you know, to zero. And then, um, and then finally we flush everything out. I mean, it's not like, uh, well, I mean, what would happen is uh, you would have some sort of liquidation of these assets, but um, I don't know. I'm not too concerned. I also don't have a ton of exposure. Uh, I mean, I still have money on Gemini, the exchange, uh, but I'm not in earn outside of some ApeCoin, which right now would have been a great time to have that ApeCoin um, so I could stake it, which goes live at I guess new. You live in New York. You can't. <laughs> I think we know what everyone's doing. I'm on a group thread with with other people. It, like, look, yeah, I can't stake it. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm totally restricted. Uh, there's no way I'm gonna be able to pull this off. Everybody, trust me, I won't be staking. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> like, what does that mean, Nick? Uh, it means I'm not going to be staking. <laughs> wink. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. So like, uh, right now the, uh, mutant pool is the highest ROI offering 350% right now. I don't understand how this is going to pan out. Well, to be what's that? I was just using your cash thing. Go ahead. Um, I don't know how this is going to like pan out in a positive way, but Narrator uh, voice, it doesn't. So, okay. Well, regardless um, I find it fascinating. Um, and I, and I'm interested to see, you know, where, where this, uh, all goes. So you, so, um, easy had already said that he was ready to, uh, short the hell out of this. Um, is it, is that still your move here? Easy. What short was specifically? I short a lot of shit. What I'm discussing here. Ape coin. Oh, ape coin. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but then I, dude, uh, it's tough. I, th I, th I think it was D Farmer who posted a, a tweet about it saying basically like everyone's net short and it's got positive lending against that. So that's my bigger concern. It's like I may just sit sidelines on it because if everyone's already net short, I'm at the back of the line, the bottom of the pyramid, if you will. So I'd rather just kind of sit sidelines and not take the risk exposure to it because you could just see a short squeeze going into it. Uh, my other concern though is like once the rewards unlock, everyone's just going to dump it to recoup costs. Um. Everybody, yeah, I mean, that. well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. So it's daily rewards. 
Yeah. So every day people can be, the sell pressure outweighs the buy pressure because there's no reason to buy ape right now. There's no incentive to acquire and like accumulate ape right now. Well, there is going into the staking. If you wanted to stake, then now's the time uh, to do it. Although theoretically you could just uh, wait and hope that the price goes down. We'll see over the next 24 to 48 hours to like if, if it flattens out here or keeps going. Um, you said D Farmer said there it's net short right now. I think it was D Farmer. It was some uh, one of the apes posted a good thread on it. I'm trying to find the thread, but basically talking about ApeCoin um, and the price action being. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, everyone is sure Ape crashes and burn now. Everyone hedging. Everyone already pre mocking. I like this, and I think he went long. Um, it's a 1400 percent APY for a fully left curve on some exchanges, and negative funding keeps rising. So everyone's net short. Yeah, I think there's like a key difference between uh, like a short term horizon and then like a long term horizon. I think like a short term horizon, it's definitely not out of the question that it could pump or, you know, actually like, you know, pump relatively significantly um, because of exactly what Easy said. And also because of at, with a staking mechanism like this, as the price goes up, the APR, uh, go, uh, the, the yield goes up, right? Because uh, it's a, a fixed amount of tokens coming out, so therefore, um, like the you know if if the token doubles, the effective amount of yield doubles. So, um, you know, you can get some FOMO for that. But I think just the easiest way to lay out like what will happen a year from now is that um, right now the token's at four point four dollars and thirty cents, and through this staking program, there will be a hundred million tokens uh, that will come out in a year. So mathematically, at this price, that's four hundred and thirty million dollars uh, of a uh, new supply that'll come out on the market. Um, but yeah, like of course, not all of that's going to get dumped. But even if if half of that gets dumped, then basically you need two hundred and thirty million uh, or, or two hundred and fifteen million dollars uh, worth of buys coming in. Uh, you know, to just keep the price flat. Well, I, I mean, I for one, you know, I'm in the U.S. Lots of restrictions here, you know, so it makes it really difficult to get He's a VPN and go stake it. We're talking it. theoretical here. We're talking, like, you know, all theoretical, Nick. It's very difficult, you know, for me to go get a VPN because I've never seen any of them advertised on any YouTuber's <laughs> channel. And so I know that it's like very difficult for me to get that and for me to go to apestake.io and to actually <laughs> perform the staking. It's going to be very, very difficult. So I will definitively not be doing that as a U.S. citizen. That's pretty precarious, uh, what you're talking about. I see Bunny has his hand raised. Bunny's repping a board ape. Bunny, are you participating in board ape staking? Oh, dude, I live in America. Why would you even ask me that? Uh, <laughs> He's not a fool. He's not trying to break the law here. Yeah. He was clearly a narc, dude. This dude's a fed, confirmed. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not staking, not because of the geo-blocking, but because I'm poor. Uh, I have no ape coin left, uh, P.O. So I sold it all. I, I, I bought Christmas presents for the kids. So no, no <laughs> ape staking here. But, but again, wouldn't if I what could. What a loser, dude. Look at you geez. buying presents for the kids. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Look at this guy. Oh, trying to have a family. <laughs> nah, bro. Robux. One Robux equals one Robux. I converted all of my ETH into Robux and V coins on Fortnite uh, for my son. And they're holding strong through the bear. Never forget when the Robux was worth than crypto, dude. <laughs> what just happened there? Kicks his mic undercut me, and then Kicks can't hear when he's talking. I was just gonna say, never forget when the Robux was worth more than the Russian ruble. 
That's insane. Um, <clears throat> well, love to hear it. So it sounds like we got a lot of people not staking ETH uh, or excuse me, ApeCoin on stage. Uh, before we dive into the weather report, I just want to see what's going on with Signal. Signal, how you doing this morning? GM, GM. Uh, I'll call myself, uh, Sarah Scripps has a collection called the Mornbirds. Uh, that's how I feel like this morning after England lost against France. We don't need to talk about it anymore. We can go straight back into NFTs and then I'll become a Moonbird again because Moonbirds went over nine. So it's been a bit of a weird weekend. On the one hand, England lost. On the other hand, Moonbirds broke nine but then came back down. So yeah, I feel pulled in different directions. But no, uh, market's been good, man. Mar I, I was I was really surprised by the action we had this weekend across all price points. It like pretty much didn't matter what you held you could have pumped into something uh talk a bit about 1337 skulls in the weather report but that was that was surprising but loved it and uh yeah i also hold one rec guy which is almost at one eighth so i was very happy with that it was a good weekend good weekend in nfts bad weekend in the world cup but very happy <laughs> yeah i didn't want to bring up the world cup because obviously i know that that's uh, it was a great know. game yeah, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden the football game's picking up after a couple of boring ones. Why don't we go over to Kix, who I know is not using the emulator and is just using an iPhone in his hand with the mic unblocked, and let's do the weather report. Kix, over to you. Hey, yeah, I don't even know what an emulator is, so but uh, if you let me know what that is, I'll make sure to buy one. Today's Monday, the 12th of December. OpenSea, 8 to $8. point million over the weekend. Great volume. According to NFT statistics, this weekend saw more than 30K of volume for the first time since May, with the majority coming from Blur Platform as traders uh, seek to wash trade their way to the final airdrop. None of that volume was real because the prices didn't go up. Apes at 70, Mutants at 15, Punks at 64.8, Moonbirds at 8.7, Doodle 7.2, Clonex 6.9, Azuki, right around 14 ETH. Over the past 24 hours, Valhalla still leading OpenSea. After retracing down to 0.4 ETH and rebounding back, Valhalla has reached a new all-time high when the team announced future re-rolling of traits. This leads to speculation around which traits will be included. Floor for this morning is at 0.88 ETH, monster volume over the last 24 hours. Elite Skulls, 1337, are still in the top 10 after the team used an innovative launch strategy to grab the community's attention. The mint was done in phases with timed mint windows for snapshotted wallets from certain collections, including punks. So Nick will be mad because he didn't get that free money. Toads, Genuine Undead, Tubby Cats, and many, many more. The free mint led to the collection trending number one on OpenSea, 0.24 ETH floor in many established communities getting involved. This morning, the collection has almost 50% unique owners in a floor of 0.14 ETH. Nick did not get $200 in free money. You'll be very angry at the end of this weather report. Over to Art Fuck! in Hardbox Season 1 drops continue to be coveted by collectors. Seed Phrase bought a piece from Anti-Cyclone for 182 ETH. That's some cash. And Super Rare Pass, with its low supply of 250 uh, passes, has it hit a 50 ETH floor. Damn. Should have bought that instead of QQL. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, <laughs> thanks to Blur's incentive bidding on the platform, we saw high volume across many collections, including Moonbirds breaking 9 ETH, Beans broke 1 ETH, 
and sweeps coming in on pudgies, bringing their floor up above five ETH. Little pudgies went up to 0.3 ETH, and then people found out it was two people just trading back and forth, and all those prices retraced. Quickly looking over at crypto, Bitcoin 16.9K. ETH 1254, Solana 13.7. That's it for the weather report. Back to you in the studio and to PL. Absolutely fantastic weather report as usual kicks and just some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter that's published five days a week by Signal. Let's uh, run through the updates here. Sartoshi. The founder of MFers is back from their short-lived Twitter exile after abandoning the community in June 2022. The creator, formerly known as Sartoshi, will reappear on New Year's Day as at Sartoshi underscore RIP. Uh, this is a little bit of color for me. I was listening to the Lex Friedman podcast with Coffeezilla, and Coffeezilla mentioned that after the first legal action was taken against NFT founders that had rug pulled, uh, then... He saw a lot of different projects suddenly having updates, and I wonder if that has to do with this post-FTX, some legal action coming. Sartoshi's like, you know what? I don't think I want that noise. I'm going to come back and act like I'm doing something. Uh, next story. Yuga Labs is facing a lawsuit after MoonPay and Gaio Siri allegedly worked with the company to covertly pay celebrities to boost the popularity of Board Ape Yacht Club. So a little bit of undisclosed sponsorship at the highest level of NFTs. Love to see that uh, even at the highest level, people do the same things that, you know, <laughs> cheap, lowbrow influencers do. Uh, Twitter CEO Elon Musk has pledged to increase the platform's character limit. This time, the proposed increase is from 280 characters to 4,000 characters, over 14x the current cutoff. We'll see how this plays out. This is interesting. And last but not least, on the mainstream NFT side, VFriends founder Gary Vaynerchuk wrote in a blog post that there are three major issues holding back the NFT market. Oversupply, short-term greed, and poor operators. Vaynerchuk argued that there's unlikely to be another market boom like that of 2021, particularly as he doesn't see the macroeconomic landscape turning bullish anytime soon. I think Shut I agree. up, Gary! I think I agree with Gary. I think that in 2021, there were just so few entities for people with capital to deploy capital into that you saw this concentration of value accrual that led to things like Board ABI Club going from $400 to $400,000. And it's unlikely that we'll ever see anything Get like that here. again because the capital will be spread out among way more entities that uh, you can deploy capital into. Uh, over to some Solana news to wrap up. Ute's founder, Frank, pressured derivative mint Qutes, that's Q-Y-O-O-T-S, with a cease and desist resulting in the collection halting its upcoming drop. According to Frank, the drop would have likely sold out, resulting in the Qutes founder now missing out on 140k primary sale on the solana side that's generational wealth ladies and gentlemen a solana rug for 140k is generational wealth next story american toy retailer toys r us has so far failed to mint out its project the 10k collection is under 70 percent minted with one day remaining until the mint closes interesting we'll see what happens there last but not least controversial solana news platinum platform, Degenerate News, is expected to launch its mint today. 
The roadmap includes starting a Web3 news network focused on content creation in both written and video formats. That's it for your updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, ladies and gentlemen. You can subscribe at thenifty.com. It's published seven days a week, five days a week with handwritten news articles, like uh, news updates like what I just read to you. Uh, of course, today's show is sponsored by Shrapnel. If you retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow at Play Shrapnel, you'll be entered for a chance to win one of the two NFTs that we're giving away at the end of the show. So stick around to hear more about Shrapnel at the end of the show and for a chance to win. Anyways, let's dive. Uh, oh, go ahead, Nick. Th- there's a number of things here. You brought up a lot of triggering stuff. Dix <laughs> brought up some triggering stuff as well. Uh, the uh, Do you remember in Miami, Peel when we were walking around and you said the price was like, what, what was the floor price on the um, super rare pass at that point? Like 40 ETH? Yeah, almost 40. And, yep. and I was like, th- I was like, you know, that actually seems like potentially a deal because information came out then that um, there was misreporting of what you got for it. Like people were saying, no, you don't get one of ones. And then the uh, super rare came out and was like, you do get one of ones. Um, and it's like essentially this annual subscription for that. Anyways, uh, so I was like, well, this sounds like a, a pretty good deal. And the market seemed to agree. I'm pissed about that because that was the 10th gainer there. So that was the except it, except it's not, right? Because so the floor is 50 ETH right now on OpenSea. However, there haven't been any sales at, at uh, 50 ETH. So the highest sale ever is at 45. And mm. in the past... So after fees, Nick would have been up one whole ETH. Well, I was about to say, and there's only been three sales in the past seven days, and that there was that single sale at forty five point forty five. And I'm assume I'm just gonna go ahead and assume that this is blocked on blur. I'm gonna go ahead and assume that. And uh, if you take the ten percent resale fee, of course, plus the two and a half percent open C fee, so that'll be forty five point forty five times point eight seven five that's thirty nine point seventy six so like kick said you would have been up one whole eth risking uh, a pretty big bet there buying at thirty eight so don't feel too bad buddy all right well uh, I still feel pissed off how did Sartoshi <laughs> announce it like is this verifiably Sartoshi uh, it, yeah it is there's a mirror article it is uh it is Sartoshi for sure what does that mean a mirror article mirror uh, the Web3 decentralized medium. Think of it of, of it like yeah, medium, yeah. but for okay, Web3. Got it. Um, and uh, that's where the article was written. But yeah, it's it's them. It's them coming back. I'm like, wow, wow. Just like summer went, got bored, coming back. It'll be interesting in 2023. But The speculation that- is doing it so he doesn't get sued. That's a well, big thing. Exactly. But what's interesting is MFers went down and his second collection, his exit collection went up which I thought was quite interesting seeing like the price dynamics there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's strange to see these 2021 characters come back. Um, I mean, we saw what happened to Beanie. It was like a, it was like some kind of like, you know, pilgrims against the witches and just sort of going after him. So we'll see what happens when Satoshi comes back. The, the bigger thing that I'm, well, there's a couple of additional things that Pio mentioned there. The one about uh, Gary V throwing motherfuckers under the bus. Yo, Gary, we need, Gary needs to come on. He needs to get in the tub is what he needs to do. That's I did text, for sure. I sent him a text message when the, uh, when the, when we did the tub talk, he didn't respond. And I don't know if he was like, sure, just offended because the thumbnail is just PO 
in, in a tub and his chest just like open for the world to see. So it is a funny looking text. No response. We'll see if we get any update on that front. But uh, and Pio's just out of here on stage backing him saying, yeah, it's never going to happen again. We're never going to see a bull run like that. This, this like whole that. market is dead. Not like that. All right. Um, and then Twitter, that whole thing with the 4,000 words is just like bullshit. You know, th this is <laughs> like, I'm, I, he, look, there's one thing that uh, Elon Musk is good at, and that's tweeting. Okay. That's pretty much all he's ever done for this world. Okay. And so, um, verifiably the case, a lot of people say, oh, he's built company. No, no, he hasn't <laughs> done any of that. Uh, he's, ju he's just a, uh, a scam artist that tweets. Um, and so I am genuinely, uh, sort of like for real, like we're actually just, um, is, is, is that really the, uh, uh, play here is having all these words. It, it's, it's difficult as someone who started with the, uh, limitations and that's kind of like the foundation of this whole, you know, like the whole thing. Am I, am I smoking crack here? I don't know. I, it, it, to, to me, we'll, it's... Uh, we'll see We'll see if it actually goes to 4,000 words. Uh, we know that Elon's a longtime user of Twitter. So he's not going to do... Or, or like, you have to think that for the long term, he's not going to do anything that truly compromises the, uh, like, kind of usage, usability, I should say, of the platform. Um, I got to think maybe he's, he's in experimentation mode. Uh, but people just have big reactions to everything that that guy does. So I'm I'm not terribly concerned. I don't think he's going to just destroy the platform immediately. I don't know, man. I mean, it just feels like the end of an era, you know? It's just <laughs> over. This is the last, uh, th this is all that, it was good knowing you guys. You know, remember <laughs> when, when I was writing those short tweets, people were saying, wow, those are great tweets, but now they're just like, now, now I got to compete on a long, long form text basis. Actually, that's where I can't compete, so let's fucking go. Oh, look at that. 180-degree flip uh, during the course of that thought. Uh, but no, look, Nick, I agree with Gary. I think that his three things that he pointed out, he's been saying oversupply for a long time. And, you know, my favorite thing that uh, I've heard NFT God say is like when NFT God just reminds everyone, there is an infinite supply of NFTs coming out period. Just like there's an infinite supply of websites being built, right? So there, at the end of the day, there's just flat out an infinite supply of NFTs. Will there be big winners? Of course there will be. But the idea that you'll see a 2021-like bull run when basically there were only like 50, 100, 150 different entities that people could deploy capital into, and there was a lot of capital available at that time, that's why you saw the concentration. But as time has gone on, there's just NFT coming out, NFT coming out. It's not going to stop. Tim Ferriss just dropped an NFT. Ledger dropped an NFT. There's going to be more. There's more rug pulls. There's fake AI NFTs that are scams. Sartosh she's back. He'll drop another NFT. Like there's, there's an infinite supply of NFTs. The way that you can get the big wins now is to actually buy the coins that, uh, you know, are now down bad that nobody wants to buy because it's boring to just dollar cost average into Ethereum or Solana. People just want to gamble those coins on NFTs right now with, you know, short-term pumps. But if you just accumulate those coins, uh, that's the thing that you know is going to come back versus one individual NFT collection coming back, right? I mean, even, even another deed, for example, which is buy the, the number one NFT entity, that's a riskier bet than just buying Ethereum right now. You know what I mean? 
Uh, yeah, you know, uh, higher risk, higher reward, as they say, and that's <laughs> the game that we're playing here, you know? That, that's what I'm talking about. Bunny has his hand raised. He's been waiting patiently. What's going on, Bunny? I was, I was triggered by a couple of things you said, too. Um, one, I, I, I tripped and fell straight for the FOMO. I bought the top of MFers, like, for 1.69 uh, when he came back. The top was, was way higher, dude. The top no, no, was I mean, like, like the local top, the local top. Like, uh, on the, the price ran up a little bit on him coming back. Um, and I bought it like a day ago. Uh, and then also with this lawsuit with Yuga, this class action, like it's complete bullshit. Uh, it's like an ambulance chaser, like trying to get clout. Uh, like there, th- there's an assumption that that these are securities in the lawsuit, and a court can't even rule on that. Like the government has to rule on that for for this to even be heard. I think. All right. Well, I triggered you. Number one, I didn't tell you to buy that MFR. I wouldn't have ever done that. Uh, number two, okay, fair enough. I mean, I don't like everybody goes at. Uh, Yuga Labs. I think the the main thing that they're dealing with right now is whether ApeCoin is a security. So we'll see what the story is there. I want to throw over to Beecheck. Has his hand raised? Beecheck, what's on your mind, amigo? Yeah, just a little bit more context on the Satoshi drop. Um, it's for the end of Satoshi collection, which has sixteen thousand. It was the very last one he dropped as he left, and he's said now that it does have utility, which is as an ongoing pass for holders to obtain free claims to crypto art from great crypto artists. So, I mean, potentially, you know, a a good thing there. However, with 16,000 in the ecosystem, I could see that being a pretty difficult thing to manage. Um, and then the second thing on the twit on the Elon thing, I think he's such great content all the time because he elicits such strong reactions from people across the board. Um, but one of the really good takes I saw was that he might just be doing a very similar thing to what he did with the introduction of the pricing. So I think when he first said that Twitter Blue was going to cost some money, he went for $20 and everyone reacted really, really strongly and said, oh, no, that's way too much. That's really expensive, blah, 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 blah. And then he just settled for eight loads later. So he could just be going with a really high number to start to get our expectations. Well, to, to make it seem that when he comes back with a lower number, that it's super reasonable and he's making a really good decision. I love the take. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. Clemente has his hand raised. Clemente, are you down in Chile right now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was uh, Let's enjoying go. the sun. Got away from the Seattle rain. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was going to add a little bit of as far as the MFers talk, and, and uh, I wanted to shed some light on, like, I, I really, I keep kind of bringing this up where it's like these, these lower or like older collections that have a small amount of listings, like they keep seeing some pumps. Like last week, very quickly, like dippies were like, hey, we're going to announce something on Friday. Their floor price went from 0.04 to like 0.15 in two days just because, and it's not necessarily because they're seeing so much volume, but it's because such little volume is required to make the floor price move, right? It's like these low entry uh, projects. They have, just because they're so old, they only have three, four, five percent listed. So when you see a little bit of that influx of capital, they can move a lot. Um, but the piece that I want to talk about as far as these older collections I wanted to ask you guys what you thought, because I, I, I really think that V Friends could be one of the best three to six month plays that you could be making right now. And I want to run this by you guys because last year, from December to April, which is when the VCon tickets were dropped to holders, the V Friends floor price went from about eight ETH to 16 ETH. And then after that, it kind of trailed off because they did VF2, they did VCon tickets. So I'm curious if you guys think like, I think V Friends right now. Last time I checked, was at about five point five uh, ETH. They had 
less than 3% listed. And what I know is that VCon is going to be coming up. I think attention is at an all-time low because Gary is trying to be very intentional about how he kind of comes into the new year. But from what I'm thinking is like, hey, Gary's going to start ramping up his marketing, his presence on social media, and is going to drive hype towards VCon. And I think those VCon tickets are going to have at least a USD value of eight to $1,000, right? So my theory is that VFriends right now could see a pretty good run and has high upside at this five ETH range. It's at the lowest it's ever been in terms of floor and it never hit, goes below five ETH. So that's kind of my theory, but I, I want to run it by you and see if, if that kind of resonates with anyone. Only VFriends one? VFriends one. Does VFriends two get any tickets or anything? No, they don't. And that's a so, high collection. Like that's a, like a 60,000. Why did I get that one? Because <laughs> Gary told you to, Nick. This guy was like, get a rare. He said, so, so, so I texted him. I said, I got a rare, Gary. And he didn't respond to my text. <laughs> he told you to get a spectacular. You went and got a spectacular. And then you texted him like basically like, now what? What do you mean? He told you to get the spectacular. You got the spectacular. Boom, done. Good to go. Uh, well, I got one. Thanks, Gary. There you have it. Yeah, I mean, you just asked, what do I get? Because I bought an NFT, you don't get anything for buying an NFT. That's what people don't understand. So, uh, Clemente, I like your take. I feel like last year, though, the tickets to VCon were pretty cheap going into VCon, like right before. There was a run, you are correct. But then, right before VCon, like once everybody had got their tickets, you know what I mean? Like once everyone was right. like, all right, I got my 72 ticket. 72 hours into VCon, two days before and day of, they were dirt cheap. And then the last day when they announced what we've still not even gotten was a Snoop Dogg airdrop to ticket holders. It flew that last day. So literally, if you bought the ticket going into the event and sold it the last day, you could have gone to the event basically for free and actually made profit. Well, that was exactly what I did. Like, you know, fortunately for once is that I procrastinated buying the ticket forever and then it got incredibly cheap. So I got the ticket and then I sold the ticket when you pointed out that it had pumped. So I actually got paid to go to VCon in a way. And I like that Gary did that. I feel like that was very intentional by Gary. Um, I mean, look, maybe VFriends 2 would pump if VFriends 1 did. It's hard to say. I mean, the 55,000 supply makes it challenging. We just saw, if you want an, a borderline identical situation as the Pudgy Penguins pump, the uh, it was not a big pump, but the little Pudgies did go from basically just under a quarter ETH to, I believe, the high on this pump was 0.36 as the main collection pumped all the way up to five. These pumps are just so short-lived and so challenging to sustain, and the undercutters just start coming in. The main Main collections at 4.37 and the little pudgies are about to dip below 0.3. It just makes it tough. Signal, I know you were at VCon last year. That was actually the first time we met in person. You have yeah. your hand raised. What's going yeah. on? So Clemente, um, I love that you always bring this data because you always bring really interesting takes. However, the narrative of VFriends last year during VCon was that Gary basically hyped up who the artist was who did the VCon tickets, like hyped, 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 hyped to the point where tickets when they dropped pre-reveal were going for two ETH. And essentially what happened was the market, even though he said it is not X copy, the market expected that caliber of artist. Beeple and then and X Beeple, copy, those were the yeah, names. It, it was like ridiculous, but you know, like ridiculous to the point where he does have relationships with top tier artists. Then Snowfro came out and for whatever reason, could be because Chromie squiggles were about 
I think they were about four or five ETH back then. Yeah. Um, they, they well basically the ticket prices tanked, and then they carried on tanking until they went down to like point seventeen. Like that's what Pierre is referring to that you could have picked up. The thing is now is that I don't think Gary's going to do the artist ticket thing again. I think he's learned his lesson. He doesn't want to bring hype to, I think, any of, of his collections going forward, especially given the comments that he just said in this article. Um, I think it's going to be probably steady sailing. Not saying that there won't be some interesting mechanics around the tickets, but I don't think you're going to see the hype that you saw last year. So that sort of like run from 8 to 16, I don't think we're going to see could be a couple of ETH, but my prediction is is that he's much more conservative going into next year, and that's why the ticket prices won't be as high, and therefore V friends won't run. Funny thing is how the market was not favoring Snowfro at that time, as Signal just pointed out, but now post Chromie Scribbles big run, or you know just scribbles, that, squiggles. <laughs> Squiggles. The disrespect. I did, I said I said squiggles. You guys yeah. to be fair, like PO is so right on this because uh at the time Gary was saying like he he like he predicts Snowfro will go on to essentially champion generative art and will be somebody that the market looks to. And people just completely dismiss that because of where the price was. So you have to give it to him that he chose an artist that was essentially an underdog and undervalued. And then now, 12 months later, you look at art blocks, you look at what Snowfro is doing, you look at what they're like, what they want to do next year. He was bang on the money. So I still think, you know, one of the predictions that, that I have on Chromie Squiggles is that there will be value driven to VCon tickets at some point in, an, in, in the next couple of years, simply because Snowfro did the art for them. But that, that, that will play out later. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair take. The funny thing is just how quickly things can change. When uh, Proof Grails, Grails 2 came out, Node would obviously know about this, and they did the, you can see the piece, but we're not going to tell you who the artist is. Very cool way to kind of roll that out. Very cool mechanic. There were some obvious ones like Grant Yun and, uh, you know, other very recognizable uh, artists. But the, the Snowfro was in that collection, no one knew which one was his. And no, am I right that Snowfro's turned out to be the one that people the, that the market favored the most? Yes, yeah, so those were selling at like twenty ETH. Uh, I think had had the highest like individual sales for sure. I think I think too though on the Vcon ticket is like it's still a ticket stub and it just doesn't look that great. Like I I love Snowfro and I love the squiggles, but the Vcon ticket stubs just I mean nobody's gonna put that on their wall. So it's, I, it's yeah, not the fastball. It's not the fastball right down the middle. Like, yeah. you know, generative fastball art Fastball right down the middle. P.O. saying right there. Can't, please continue on. Yeah. Generative art is a fastball down the middle. Cartoon animal picture. Cartoon humanoid picture. Ticket stub is not a fastball down the middle. Sounds good. You know, we like those fastballs. On, on to the next one. <laughs> I didn't want to cut. My bad. I cut you. Now I feel bad. I cut off Node. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need to say anything more. No, that was that was actually the end that I had uh, on on Vcon in particular, like and on Snowfro. I do I do love obviously Snowfro though. Like uh, he's he's going to continue to just dominate. So I props to Gary V. And if anyone didn't actually go, like the, that that last session, it was one of the last sessions was with Snowfro and Tyler Hobbs, and that was my favorite of all the talks. Like the, those guys were so smart uh, and just got me so bullish on the whole generative. Uh, art scene, of course. So, yeah, shout out to Snowfro, though. Big, big, big fan, of course. Absolutely. I'm going to disagree with Node on this. 
Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, and, like, the reason is is because, like, at the end of the day, there's, like, every... If you look at, just, say, uh, designer items, right, and where their price points are for different collections, you have, like, the high, high-end couture, and then you have, like, the lower end where, say, Calvin Klein is doing some underwear or something. And all those price points have customers. And so I and so even though those tickets are not generative art, you look at, like, tickets from when, um, I don't know, the Beatles or some of the greatest bands in the world had a concert. You go on eBay, some of these tickets resell not for hundreds of thousands of dollars, but definitely more than the $12 that the person paid, yeah. say, 20, 30 years ago. So, like, my like my point is, is that there's always going to be a market at different price points if the artist goes on to do um, what Snowfro is doing and has a significant future. That was a Beatles concert, though, not a tech conference. Like, I, I feel like... Uh, <laughs> uh, the, but the- Gary V is like the Beatles to some people. Look at the Lost Robbies. Look what happened when um, Super Rare did the Lost Robbies, right? With Robbie Barat. And it was just like, it was just a QR code that that linked to the art on Super Rare. And mm. most people just completely dismissed it. Like, I hate to say the phrase early, I really do. But like, I think we're too much in a bubble, like what we do, that we that we look at this space day to day. And we're going to have to look back and be like, were we right over five years? I might be completely wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. But I'm just saying that like our timeline, this day to day is still too um, micro for us to be able to see what will happen in a macro in five years. Because I, And I think there's precedent to say that something like uh, Robbie Baratz and Lost Robbies is a complete and brilliant example of what can happen when you have a great artist and their work is a QR code in a bag. Uh, I mean, that definitely makes sense. There were other tickets. I'm blanking on the one, but th- there were, there are examples of other tickets where the, it was like uh, a well-known uh, crypto artist that ended up uh, having it. So, so you are, th- that is correct. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with that. It's difficult. It's different though when there's like thousands of these tickets that are going around. But yeah, I I, I agree. It feels so corny though to me to have like, and, and when you, when you went to VCon was hands down one of the best um, uh, events at uh, like or like NFT events last year, maybe the best. Um, so that that was awesome. But simultaneously, it was interesting to see like the absolute like the 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 like Gary V fans uh, I I don't know it was it was interesting to see that aspect of things um and how people like interact there and how passionate they are so maybe yeah I maybe you're right she's right maybe <laughs> we'll see uh Clemente you have your hand raised uh something else and then we'll throw to Justin Fre- uh, Fredericks yeah I, I appreciate it because I uh, I always like I think the numbers behind things but then understand like the the qualitative and like the the sentiment around it is, is important. The last thing I want to ask is, you know, we have VCon coming up, right? So the the dates on that are May, tw- May 18th to May 20th of next year, right? Of 2023. But the interesting thing is that you have the proof of conference in LA on May 11th to the 13th of so the week before. So I'm almost thinking like, damn, like <laughs> I doubt people are going to go to both. Um, which one do people prefer to favor um, and possibly try to see if owning one of those collections could be, is, is kind of my play, is my thesis and proof would be a lot cheaper with the oddities as that would give you a ticket in and that could be a ticket to the mythics in, in 2023. So that might even have a higher upside if 
maybe the market prefers this proof of conference event over VCon. Um, two of those back to back, Nick, you, you, we going to both? <laughs> uh, well, no, I don't really look, I don't even care about most conferences to be straight up. Like it, like it, it, it doesn't make a difference. Um, I think proof is a different group than, uh, than Gary V's conference. Like Gary V has a bunch of fans Agreed. that, that like just going to that event, it was awesome to go there because the, the, uh, I mean, the people who I knew, like there were speakers and stuff that were there. And I think the speakers will go, I mean, there's like a group of people who will speak at every event. And I'm just like, yo, how do you do that? Like, how, like that's your job? Like, I don't understand. I've never understood that uh, side of things. Frankly, I've always viewed those people with a, a little bit of a, uh, a negative uh, sort of perspective. But regardless, um, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see those two conflicting. The proof people are different than, uh, than the uh, VCon. And there's a little bit of, uh, there's sort of like some uh, drama in proof land as well. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, it's just a, it's just a different group. <laughs> well, we'll see, uh, what kind of like audiences these different conferences get. I mean, the Gary V audience, it was very clear that like at VCon, yes, was it a quote unquote crypto conference? Absolutely. Like an NFT conference, but the majority of people there, you know, it's like a Gary V specific audience. Like he really, he gets people to come out. Um, so I guess people are going in Indianapolis. I have to think that we're going to go to Indianapolis for sure. Whether we go to that, the proof conference. I, I want to go to V like personally, I'd rather go to VCon over, uh, the proof event. Yeah. Um, yeah, just cause like I, the vibe there was just so much better. It's just a bunch of like, it feels much more down to earth. You know what I'm saying? And bro, the VCon crowd, like when we first went, there were so many people who were just like, no, I don't own any other NFTs aside from this. Like, they're just like, they just like Gary V. You know what I mean? Like they've just been diehard members of like that kind of group for so long. Yep. Whereas proof feels way more like NFT native. And you're going to have a bunch of people talking about bags and everything else. Whereas VCon's just like, they even had a full, like, uh, I forget what they called it, like a pit where people were selling like other collectibles, sneakers, trading cards, comic books. Like it was very VCon and like the, the, whatever he does, the garage sale style stuff that they even had. It was, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked VCon. We'll definitely be there for sure. Uh, I am going to write a thread about all the problems with it from last year. Well, the one big problem that it was just coffee. With- Coffee, yeah. dude. Don't yeah. please love a god. Just put coffee somewhere. Yeah. So that that's the big problem that nobody's got the balls to talk about is that there was no. You literally coffee. brought it up last time. Yeah. That's like Peon is like, yo, I got this uh, mutant trait which is going to be huge. I'm in the market for buying uh, mutants. No one knows what the trait is, but I've said it literally every time that I've brought up mutants. But uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, a reminder to retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and to follow at Play Shrapnel. Uh, courtesy of today's sponsor, Shrapnel, we're going to be giving away two operator NFTs a little bit later in the show. So stick around till the end uh, to see if you've won and to learn about Shrapnel. Retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow at Play Shrapnel for a chance to win. We have Justin Fredericks on the show, CEO of Art House. Uh, repped by WME. Very interesting, Justin Fredericks. Did not know you that you were repped by WME, and we are not. That's very interesting. He's probably a Forbes 40 under 40 also. I mean, geez, Louise, man. <laughs> there you go. And of course, your education. You went to UCLA and to Harvard Law. In case anybody was wondering, Justin, what's going on? 
Yeah, just on the topic of Snowfro, so uh, I had the fortune of interviewing um, him and Faith Love and Brandon Bro uh, during our Basel. Of course you did. Well, of course you did, okay. So he's he's like thinking very long term. He's thinking like 10 years out. Like he has a pretty brilliant mind and it was really cool to just see in the audience like people so proud to wear their Chromie Squiggle hat. And then at a separate event, the Adidas event, like I was in line for one of the kind of – inside activations at the adidas event and people were also proud to like hold and show off their you know g money snowfro collab um items so i i think that his you know he's one of the kind of early innovators who now has brand equity that will have some lifespan as far as collaborations which i think it's going to be a key for for success long term not just and he's not just thinking long term with his own art but you know with the entire art blocks platform itself but I actually initially raised my hand to talk about the the topic of those kind of NFTs in our wallet that seemingly have been dormant, but are now like have new life breathed into them. And I I think it's just a function of, listen, it it taking, it takes time to build technology, to build partnerships. You know, there's that whole meme of like building, 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 you know, that, that wasn't just a meme. And I think we're seeing some of the fruits of that labor coming, coming to surface now. And, and it's interesting to see, like, the also separation between those brands building and those brands who may not have been, but that also aligns with, you know, collectors long-term separating from, you know, short-term flippers. Like, I actually commented in, in, in the post about this space, like, one collection that has little noise, but, you know, I've just been holding it for a long time is, you know, the Inbetweeners, which is, you know, co-founded by John Piero, the designer for Bieber's, you know, Drew House, along with Bieber and... Um, you know, they're dropping a Dolce & Gabbana collab tomorrow and like announcing that holders will have, you know, sections at Bieber concerts. Now that floor is not moving at all. And so it's interesting to see, okay, how long um, do, you know, short-term traders kind of command the market compared to long-term holders who value the asset because of all that it's unlocking. And I think for each collection, it's going to be different. But over time, I think it's going to kind of weigh towards towards collectors because the short-term mindset i don't think is sustainable yeah I was mean, that like a backdoor shill i was like confused about no, that I mean, look, I was, br- it was a back but not financial <laughs> advice but 100 percent backdoor shill no, he's bringing up a collection that he owns the thing is is this is an eleven thousand piece collection is there a a, a second collection like a junior in betweeners or just this one justin all right, so they're, uh, the other interesting thing is this, they're using the OpenSea minting page, right? So they're minting directly on OpenSea uh, tomorrow. But uh, it's it's a Dolce & Gabbana in-betweener collab, new artwork, new NFT, but then it's also going to be paired with you know physical. I think that's also the trend that we're seeing with Artifact and others where there's a physical item and a digital twin. Do, do you are, are you like working with them? Did, are you employed by them? No, no. I Honestly, this is like, this was a surprise to me. I was really late in it. I was like, scrambling to see wait do i need to do anything that's that's the other thing we like it takes so much i like my business isn't you know 100 web3 we have some web3 clients but i'm not like 24 7 in here so i you know the if you're if you miss a day you can miss like massive value so um no it's just basically the you know there's that what unxd like uh kind of luxury mm-hmm. uh box mm-hmm. platform along with um in-betweeners holders and then there was like i guess a wait uh like a lottery for public yeah. So, I mean, when you think about it, so I also found there's another uh, collection with another 4,500 NFTs that has a floor 
very close to zero. That's the mystery box. It's at a 0 0.0199 floor. So you're talking about 15,000 assets just about in this ecosystem. And now they're doing something with Dolce & Gabbana, who has basically shown that they sold NFTs before with that UNXD thing, but they're not going to act. There's, there's nothing coming after that probably for a long time, right? So there hasn't been any demonstration of the ability to accrue value to a digital collectible. There's just been the demonstration of how to extract value from a new audience that probably wouldn't buy a Dolce Gabbana bag. I'd say the majority of people that are buying the Dolce Gabbana NFTs are a completely separate audience from the people that would actually go to a Dolce Gabbana store and buy an expensive Dolce Gabbana product in that situation. So when you talk about like thinking long-term and stuff, if I'm thinking long-term, I ain't thinking about in-betweeners, right? And this isn't like, I didn't think that this morning I was going to suddenly like go to war with the in-betweeners. I'm just bringing it up to point out there's so many of these, what I'll describe as basically random profile picture collections. In-betweeners is one of the three fastballs down the middle for the NFT space, which is a cartoon animal picture. So that that is why it was favored at the time that it was. I'm looking at the volume chart for all time. There was real volume at a time on this collection. There's 12,381 Ethereum of total volume on here. So that's like, that just shows the strength of a cartoon animal picture collection in 2021 with a name attached to it, right? The thing is, is like, I, it's very, um, it's hard to see why the the founders of this collection will continue to work on it. You said long-term, long-term, right? Because there's no actual business. It's just selling more NFTs, right? So tomorrow is an event where it sounds like they're going to be selling more NFTs. The entity that they've partnered with is an entity that's proven that it'll sell NFTs and not have a sophisticated understanding of value accrual to set NFTs. So before I, like me or anybody- But shout out to them for sponsoring. You know, that was a huge sponsor. So appreciate that. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. I think that's, I they, think that's, they didn't sponsor us, Nick. Yeah, they did not sponsor counter. us. I, I agree, and I, I think that's actually a good counter. I think that that's why, no, like, Nick. I think the artifact, the artifact uh, lane is is probably more powerful because there's a lot of overlap between the collectors of artifact NFTs and like the Nike audience. The one, I guess, pushback I would have is that John Piero he like designed with Dolce and Gabbana, so there's that crossover. And the one kind of, I you know, the Gucci apes, right, with 10 KTF, those have held value. When also similarly, you wouldn't necessarily think that that, you know, buyer of the Gucci ape wouldn't necessarily be the buyer, like the, you know, the, the pedestrian buyer in a Gucci store. So I don't know. We'll see. But obviously 10KTF has a lot more to it. Yep, yeah. Back I, in April, they were on the show. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, but regardless... The, the, so the Gucci girls have not held value. Right now, they're at $545. The mint price was one Ethereum at $3,000 Ethereum. So they're down. I mean, someone else can do the math on that. I want to say that's about 80%. So Gucci Grail is down 80%. And that's with the strength of 10KTF backing them up, right? Because uh, 10KTF has probably one of the strongest holder bases in the NFT space. They're really, really passionate. So like basically my point is like you got this massive supply, 15,000 NFTs of a cartoon animal picture. There's no business behind it, right? There's no uh, way to actually generate revenue besides selling more NFTs. One of those selling more NFTs instances is tomorrow with an entity that's proven that it's a value extractor. It's not one that actually is going to accrue value in the space. To me, this is instead of thinking that this is like an opportunity for long-time collection, 
collecting. I actually think that this is basically the issue with the space is that there isn't a business backing these things up. So the number just inherently goes down over time. There's no incentive to buy. There's only an incentive uh, you know, to sell. And so when I look at what I would buy in the space, right, you can do the speculation play. That's what's happened with, with Pudgy Penguins is people are like, this CEO has, has some real pizzazz to him. He seems like he knows what he's doing. I'm going to speculate that this number is going to go up long term and see what he does. Although that in that particular instance, it does look like there are uh, efforts to be making a business. Um, but like, otherwise, I'm just going to bet on Board API Club. Mutant Club, CryptoPunks, Generative Art, things that can accrue value because of the Grail collectible side, because there's so many of these other things with massive, massive supplies, with no business, with just more NFTs coming out that aren't going to really make sense. And I, I can't think that the founders of those entities are going to be indentured servants to these, these collections when there's no revenue. There's no royalty revenue anymore. Do the math on royalty revenue for you know any XYZ profile picture collection. There is no revenue there. So Someone's not going to dedicate their life to something for free forever. Nick, you have your hand raised. Uh, something to chime in on this? Um, in terms of uh, the, I, I like the thesis, which is, which is one we've discussed though, which was, hey, there's going to be other opportunities that exist here. I mean, and and that's like the main thesis, uh, it, regardless of, um, y- yeah, it, uh, a challenge for people to deliver value. The most important thing is that. From a trading perspective, there's a there's projects that pop up and uh, have action. We saw that. I ended up buying into one the other day, and I don't know what the action is since then. I, I feel like it's nothing. It was a temporary uh, pump on the news, which was the Wanderers in that case, um, because they had some like venture announcement. Uh, the the this current market is incredibly aggressive, and so the the pumps are very short lived. Um, so it's 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 hard to operate uh, in this space or to trade uh, in this market given uh, the uh, volatility that exists um, and how fast moving the market is. But I, I do like the thesis though, which is that hey, there's there's other there are collections out here to buy. Uh, we didn't get into the. I mean, I remember when the Bieber collection dropped. We we discussed it on the show. It was just like. You're gonna buy a Justin Bieber project? Like what? Um, the, it, it, he's just like such a big name that it's like, what is he doing associating with that like project? And how much work is he putting into that? Um, and to Pio's point, having another NFT which you sell is not like I, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like a ton of utility. That said, that's exactly what Board API Club does. So it's like the it's it's kind of like. Uh, uh, a double. Uh, I'm blanking on on the word here. A double standard, but yeah, Board double standard is, um, is the singular outlier entity. Yeah, it's the singular entity that uh, is the outlier. They also are the the entity that invented that model, and then it was copied by other people. And last but not least. Uh, Yuga Labs is building an actual like platform. They're like they were valued at one billion dollars or whatever, raised a bunch of money, generated a ton of revenue, and is building this metaverse platform. Whether or not that's successful, who knows, right? But it is just kind of like the traditional, hey, we're building a business, and in five years we could be generating a lot of revenue. I mean, it, it's it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. From a trading standpoint, there are opportunities there, and there and there are. Um, I'm, I'm 
a little bit burnt out on some of that. Like I see people being like, I, I can't wait to get this um, Sartoshi thing. I thought it was a dumb thing to buy at that point in time. Like, I don't think anything's changed. And anyone who's suddenly inspired because they feel a legal pressure to do does not feel like the visionary that I want to invest in, right? Like, it's not like he was like, oh man, this business is very promising. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to jail if I don't do something. Okay, cool. Yeah. Or I'm going to lose all that money that I made. Yeah. Let me, uh, yep. Let me see. Seems like we got a business here. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And and I don't want to make it seem, uh, make it sound, you know, like we're like, I'm pessimistic or all negative when you talk about this different stuff. The thing is, there's just so much effort to extract value in the space. You do have to sort of be on your guard 24-7 to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the point of that? Is that something that's just going to extract value and disappear? Wait a minute, what's that? Wait a minute, hold on. And, and so instead, it's just kind of a lot easier. I mean, when you think about it, there was the Dory Samurai thing that we talked about where I was like, there's no way that this makes sense you know, to buy at this point. And you know, Easy had like kind of pointed out all the kind of factors that, you know, sort of backed up the thesis that it was just someone taking the AI art from one of those generators and throwing it in there. Um, and people like were trying to defend it. And I was like, like, you're just picking the wrong kind of thing to defend. Obviously it's because they own from, it. Exactly. It's, it's obviously down from where it was at. Um, also but, you know, your phrase extracting value is interesting. Cause like basically you're defining anyone who drops a new product as extracting value. It's like saying, Oh, Mattel is going to drop a new toy. They're extracting value or Nike is going to drop a new sneaker. They're extracting value. But that's only if those, there aren't people out there who value the product in and of itself, rather than the product to flip to someone else to buy. That's why you don't have this concept of like rug pulls in like the aftermarket sneaker market. Like people go on StockX or goat because they want that sneaker to hold long-term or to wear. And so I think more like, interestingly, I think it's a function of a reflection on the collector's mindset and goals rather than the founder's mindset and goals. I completely agree. And that was something that I thought this weekend, I was kind of like talking shit about Pixel Vault. And then I just deleted the tweets because I was like, you know what? Well, A, I don't want to, I don't want to like keep contributing that into the ecosystem. It's just not worth it. But secondarily, the bigger thing that I was thinking about was I was like, you know the people that fucked up and that like r- that really messed up? It was those of us who bought this thing for the sole purpose uh, that it was going to go up. Like that's why I bought the thing and now I have I'm like pissed off about it, but really that like that I I know for like definitively it's an, the NFT project owner can't really fundamentally control the price. Like you there's things they can do, there's execution things they can do. But the problem is it's a little bit random as to like whether or not price goes up based on uh, any given announcement. Like we always make a joke about like the worst thing you can do for an NFT project is execute on something. And then in some cases, the best thing you can do is execute on something. And then the same thing goes for like, so everything has a, a, a um, there's an example of where doing X makes price go up. And doing the exact same X makes price go down. And so it's it's um, inconsistent. And instead, uh, the people who are saying, hey, um, you did this thing. This was obviously a dumb decision. Some, some There is validity in that. I think in the case of Pixel, there was one thing that I always harp on over and over and over again. But my main frustration was pertaining to something that they didn't even suggest was going to be the case. 
And so my own frustration was just that I, I was most interested in my bags and price going up. That was the only thing that I was interested in. And so this entire space is focused exclusively on that. If you make the price of my NFT go up, I'm very happy with you. If you make the price of my NFT go down, I'm not happy. So that that's like the entirety um, of this space. And I think that um, it, it's impossible to say what what's the main driver, but we shouldn't be as mad at the project creators. Instead, we should be mad at ourselves for having aped $100 million into a business that doesn't even exist. That to me is something that's like irrational and it was fueled by greed. So yeah. like if, if we're really going to hold people accountable, I think we actually as uh, collectors hold, share some piece of responsibility from this. And like, I, I don't know, like I, it suddenly clicked with me that this weekend because I was so... Yeah, I keep harping on the same thing. Oh, Pixel Vault dropped the du Jupiter token or whatever it is. They never, like, my my whole thesis is actually wrong. Like, it's not actually valid as much as, like, I disagree. And, and I can, like, I can say, hey, would I invest in this company or do I think that this is a good, this team is capable of executing? At this point, like, you know, they're giving it a go. They're launching something. Do I like the art? Well, that's up to me. But there are people in that collection that do like the art. There's people that buy uh, uh, flip-flops or whatever you want to call them, like the ones that Easy have, but I never wear those. <laughs> like I would never fucking be caught wearing those things. But there's a lot of people that look at that and say, yo, that's fresh as fuck. Easy is like well-dressed. That's dope. So, so, so I'll, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave the Pixel Vault thing alone. For, like, put that to the side. You're talking about a couple things there, Nick. I'm actually gonna disagree with what uh, Justin said, and, and you know, kind of disagree with parts of what you were talking about, Nick. So I pulled up one, two, three, four, five, six NFT collections that are in the top 100 on OpenSea. I don't own any of these, so I have no exposure to any of them. It's the Sandbox, Chromie Squiggles, Fluff World, My Pet Hooligan, Potatoes, and Valhalla. Um, all different, right? Very different things. Sandboxes like one of these metaverse platforms. Chromie Squiggles is the original generative art. Fluff World is basically your kind of quintessential like NFT native uh, entity. It's almost like a mini version of Board Ape Yacht Club in, in the way that they're kind of approaching their efforts. I'm not like an expert on it. So if I'm incorrect about uh, a part of that or if that's not 100% on the money, you know, just bear with me on that. My Pet Hooligan is a gaming entity. Potatoes is, you know, the meme land ecosystem. And then Valhalla is this, uh, you know, basically software play. Um, all all of these are entities where when they dropped the NFT, there was sort of like a reason for it, right? And when you talk about like, hey, you don't uh, challenge Nike when they sell you a pair of sneakers, that's because I got the sneakers. I put the sneakers on my feet. You don't challenge Mattel when you get a toy. That's because I got the toy. I, I got the toy. That's what the person wanted, right? The, it's just not necessary to sell an NFT. And when someone buys an NFT, they're buying it and it's basically this digital asset. Until there's a separation of financial instruments and entertainment products, which is actually an appropriate thing to talk about since today's sponsor is a gaming entity. Once you get that, that game, for example, that's, people talk about gaming because it's the most obvious angle that you can see on how to develop an ecosystem where assets like a token or an NFT can actually have value because people will want to spend time in the ecosystem. People already want to play Call of Duty. They want to actually play a fun game. And as a result, you can create value in that ecosystem. When you just sell NFTs for the 
sake of selling them. Really, the main thing is that you don't actually need to do that. And if you're going to do that, there has to be some sort of business behind it to support it. Otherwise, it's an inevitable slow rug because again, I don't expect anybody to be an indentured servant to this thing forever that doesn't generate them money. Like who is going to go work on something for free forever? So until I see, and by the way, Dolce & Gabbana is the perfect example of an entity that could drive value to an NFT asset literally like that, like snap of a finger like that. All they have to do is release a product that's actually really desired in the fashion world, which they can do because they're Dolce & Gabbana, a 100 plus year old brand, Um, release that product and say, the only way to get it is to buy this NFT, boom, value goes through the roof and they're onboarding, which is basically what Gary V did. Gary V said, if you want to go to this conference, which I know you want to go to, the only way to get the ticket is to buy the NFT. Literally on the website, when you go to buy tickets, you click buy tickets and it took you to OpenSea to buy the ticket on the secondary market. So, you know, hats off to, to Gary V. He understood how to actually operate. Obviously, he has released a lot of NFTs. So, you know, there's that conversation. Um, but that's kind of what I would say about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, reminder to retweet the tweet that's been to the top and follow at Play Shrapnel for a chance to win. One of the NFTs that we're going to be giving away, we have Don and we have Francis B from Shrapnel on the show right now to discuss the AAA gaming enterprise that they're building. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for sponsoring. How's it going? Good, good. Yo, Nick, thanks for having us. Um, things are going really well. Uh, development's strong. I know, you know, there's a bear market and a lot of people are, are have reasons to be um, sad or going on emotional roller coasters right now, but we're feeling good about Shrapnel. That's what I like to hear. Um, you know, I think that the gaming conversation is a really appropriate one for NFTs right now. And we're seeing more and more legitimate gaming entities, you know, entering the space, like I kind of discussed. You know, what can you cut? What's like sort of the elevator pitch on Shrapnel? Um, can you talk about like where you guys are at with, with the business? Like what's kind of going on? What's the story with Shrapnel? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Shrapnel at its heart is a triple A extraction shooter. Um, with a whole bunch of customization tools, um, creation tools. So uh, it's not just us making the game uh, and and delivering to the community. The community uh, is going to be making their own cosmetics, making their own maps, having other people play them as well. Um, But the the core game mode is uh, if you've played something like Escape from Tarkov or um, like the the Dark Zone uh, in The Division, um, it's that that sort of game mode where it's not battle royale. It's uh, you you decide your loadout, what you bring in, you collect stuff over the course of the session, and then you kind of decide uh, how you want to extract over the course of the session as well. You kind of you know it's it's high stakes treasure hunting, and you're kind of pick picking your own risk and reward. Well, that's what I like to hear. And so, you know, when I talked to you guys, like kind of in preparation for this, you talked about the focus on making the game fun and you talked about, you know, the focus on like actually developing something that people would want to play. Um, can you talk a little bit about the approach that you're taking there and, you know, what players could expect? Uh, because ultimately when you talk about gaming, I, I mean, look, I'm not a gamer. I'm not someone that builds a, a video game for a living like Kix does. Uh, but I have to think that, you know, step one is, make people want to play the game right oh yeah i mean the game the game has to be sticky uh has to be fun like the, the game is always at the core and it's i you know i've been making games for for almost 20 years now most people that are studio have um some people almost 30 years uh and it's that's always the nugget of truth no matter what you're doing no matter what you're doing from a 
kind of a biz dev side or community engagement side, like the game has to be fun. So, you know, our approach to, um, to that is, is our wheelhouse in terms of making it fun. Like we were AAA game developers first and then became uh, DGNs along the way. Uh, so, you know, that, that is the pedigree that our entire studio and certainly our founding team comes from. Um, ultimately, though, the further and further we got into it, uh, the more we realized that we wanted it to, to really take advantage of blockchain, not, you know, NFTs important, of course, ownership is the whole reason why we're doing what we're doing, interoperability, why we're doing what we're doing, um, but also take advantage of uh, maybe some more exotic expressions in, in kind of decentralized world. Um, so we, we really started getting into it uh, in terms of how we model the economy, how we look at the growth of the of the platform and the product over time, who the different people uh, you know are going to be who want to engage with the with the project in different ways. I mean, you guys have been talking about it uh, over the course of this past hour. It's different people have different reasons for doing doing what they do, uh, di- you know, different emotional states, different backgrounds. Um, and you want to kind of cater uh, to people as much as possible, meet them where they are. Um, we also see the the kind of the crossfade, we call it, from classic Web3 um, uh, audience into attracting the more traditional gaming audience. So uh, removing frictional elements, allowing you to come in uh, and being crypto savvy, you know, have, having a, um, a, a wallet already. Uh, that's great. Like we, we are all about that, but we also want it that we always call him Toby, the gamer He's like our persona of a, of a guy in Kansas or something who's never used crypto ever. Um, but he just knows it's a dope game. He wants to get in he wants to play it as quickly as possible. So we're actually doing the work behind the scenes in terms of setting up custodial wallets for him, making sure everything's in compliance. So he doesn't have to think about any of that stuff. You just jump in, shoot somebody in the face and start earning so is that being done with like Matic or what, or what, what's the back end for, for that? AVAX. So, yeah, oh, AVAX. Yeah, we're de- we have our own um, subnet uh, deployment on AVAX. Um, it kind of, it, it's, you know, I'm not going to get into like a, a boring technical yeah, discussion, yeah. but it's, it um, serves a lot of, of different needs in a way where some of the typical trade-offs that you have between a specific L1 uh, or like L2s on top of them, uh, you kind of, you don't have to to trade off as much. Um, it allows us to have our own dedicated, you know, like block space for scalability. It allows us to have the security that we need and we're building it all uh, on layer zero. So everything is um, bridgeable right from the get-go, like every asset uh, in our entire ecosystem, um, you can you can basically take anywhere. How many, um, how many game or sorry, how many people are on the team building out this game? Because I looked at the trailer last week when I was, uh, when, um, when we first discussed it, and it was, uh, it's quite impressive. Thank you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we were we were pretty proud of that trailer. Um, the we have about sixty people internally, uh, and then I would say about another sixty that we manage um, as kind of uh, development partners. Um, so yeah, about, about 120, uh, on the game currently. Um, and, the yeah, the, the trailer we all did in, in Unreal 5, uh, worked with a team in Australia called Plastic Wax. The choreography was actually done by, um, some John, John Wick stunt crew, um, which is why you see some kind of like familiar styling in there. Uh, and then the camera operator, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a movie called Extraction. Um, it's like Chris Hemsworth, um, but it has a, a super long single shot where the camera never cuts. 
Um, so we knew we wanted from the very beginning to do the trailer as a single uh, single shot. They're just so cool and compelling. They like put you in the environment. Um, so the camera operator was actually from that movie as well. Um, we were, yeah, and it was great. You know, we we got to do a lot of like look dev, flesh out the environments, um, focus on world building, and then. We did a follow-up where we're like, can we take this effectively like movie set uh, and then play the game in it? Can we just like drop a multiplayer session in here? Um, and it actually worked. Uh, so we're kind of like pr- proving everything out from a lot of different angles because in, in game development, you know, like your design team spends a long time in gray box and then the art team's working in parallel and then you kind of put it all together at some point. So it was a good moment of like, we can do super sexy movie assets uh unreal 5 using you know using all the like highest caliber stuff and have our game playable in it yeah and i'm reading here i'm so i pulled up the hype beast article you guys got written up in hype beast which is obviously super cool and they're talking about how that trailer was directed uh by the director i guess that's behind gears of war this guy jerry o'flaherty uh, yep. big time yeah big name in the gaming yes you know world. I mean, when you think about 2021, like early 2021 games, like uh, Axie Infinity was like the big name, right? And you think about that compared to like Unreal 5, first person shooter, crazy trailer, crazy graphics. We've come a long way, huh? Yeah, just a little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, we always have that internal conversation. Like, are we are we too early? Are we too late? Uh, are we right on time? But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like we're um, leading that charge to a certain degree, especially in the shooter space, I think. Um, it's, it's just who we are, too, right? Like, our team, our founding team, we all met at HBO together. Um, so we all did, uh, you know, R&D work and then publishing for things like Westworld and Game of Thrones. So we, like, come from that creative pedigree of, like, world building and story building and an eye for quality. Um, but, you know, for me personally and, like, our creative director, we're also highly... Um, uh, like highly in tune with the gameplay side of it. Like I was always a gameplay per, uh, first person. It was kind of like the beginnings of my career. Um, so it, you you get those two types of personalities together, and you get the like this quality. You know, you raise the bar for hopefully you know for ourselves and hopefully for everyone around us. I mean, we're we're strong believers in the floating boats. I mean, it's it's awesome. So, ladies and gentlemen, you, this is your last chance to retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow at Play Shrapnel for a chance to win one of the two NFTs we're giving away. I'm going to start drawing the winners in a second. Kix has his hand raised. Kix is the CEO of a gaming uh, plat or gaming uh, entity himself. Uh, Kix, do you have a question for the Shrapnel gang? Yeah, first of all, uh, really big fan of everything that you all are doing. Uh, when I first saw you on the uh, on the radar coming into the space, I was super excited. I'm a Big fan of uh, Escape from Tarkov. I think it's one of the the coolest genres to come out since Battle Royale. I was, and I know some of these things. You know, you kind of want to keep close to the chest so you're not getting like you know front run or copied too early on. But I'm I'm just curious if uh, if you have anything like to like share about like how NFTs will you know work in like the extraction like style uh, ecosystem. Um, like, will I, you know, will, will like gear that I get when I go into a mission, like, will that stuff be tradable? Um, and then also you said that's like other people were going to be able to like build on the platform as well. Like, is, is that in regards to like map building or like item skins or, or what, what did you mean by that? Yeah. The answer is yes to all the things. Um, yeah, the, so, uh, I mean, those are great questions. You know, we, 
have to keep the game fun and balanced uh, and also want people to be able to uh, have whatever expression they want. So, uh, you know, keeping those two things in mind, um, the, the NFTs are, are basically broken down into multiple classifications. So there is kind of gear and equipment side of things. There is a customization and vanity side of things. There is the map side of things. So all of those are things that you can um, create bespoke. And we're, we're kind of meeting creatively, meeting people where they are uh, in terms of like how accomplished are you as a, as a creator? You know, so, like some people are really good artists. Uh, some people just want to put like sticker sheets together. Um, so providing people with the tools um, that they're comfortable with uh, and then allowing them to put their brand, whether, you know, some people are just going to put their brand on it. Other people are going to want to build maps and have people play them. Um, we need to, to allow people to have enough rope, but not too much, uh, as well as an entire like discovery, content discovery system, right? You have millions of people making stuff, throwing it into a marketplace, sharing it. You get a certain amount of like network effect um, of just people rallying around creators, guilds themselves, right? Who want to kind of have a piece of the entire production pipeline. Um, so we're, we're effectively formalizing that into the platform. So um, our utility token, the SHRAP token uh, uh, can be used to actually promote stuff. Uh, and then the people who are actually part of the promotion channel, as well as the creators get rewarded for making dope shit for the platform. So if you're making a map, uh, and everybody's playing it, it's like 50% of the community is playing that map, um, because they just love it, uh, that you know, you should be rewarded um, commensurate to the performance of that map. Um, so we're trying to create a like healthy self sustaining ecosystem and give people the tools to, to do exactly what they want to do. Oh, sorry, Peter. I, I just had one one quick follow up. As, as th that all sounds really fun, as like someone that's looking forward or excited to play this game, what's uh, and also like to dig in on NFTs. What's the best way to get uh, exposure to your e to your ecosystem now? I mean, right now, uh, operators probably the best. We also have got a um, a free mint coming up soon, or canister free mint. Um, uh, 10k supply. Uh, it'll be tied to uh, in-game vanity. Um, uh, and in-game in skins and a whole bunch of reward stuff that we're teeing up later. Um, it actually be kind of tied into some of those tools uh, that I described earlier. Um, sets of our NFTs will actually unlock uh, certain, um, certain expressions within the tools, like some tools within the tools, as well as different like art bases. You can think of it as like sticker shapes and palettes and stuff at the lowest level. Uh, at the higher levels, it's things like um, unique prefabs that you can put in your maps. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll have, uh, we're doing a canister free mint. Um, uh, so you can find all the details on that, uh, certainly on our Twitter. And then of course the operators series is the one that's already out. Um, that one's, uh, tied to our comic book series. So we believe again, coming from, uh, like creative houses, uh, that we, that we do, uh, believe in the like transmedia storytelling, right? Like comic books, films, live action, fans are going to make their own treatments of stuff, right? Like incorporating that all together. So you have an interesting and rich world uh, and that the operators aside from just the, you know, the utility associated with it of being able to play the game early of getting in game assets. It's also kind of uh, a first stepping stone in a lot of that world building and storytelling. Love to hear it. I, I want to comment on that in a second real quick. I want to announce the two winners, uh, Frank 
Stein, I think. So that's uh, at underscore TJTK underscore. I've invited you to speak. You have a purple uh, face with a yellow background as your PFP. And then Braylon Whitfield. That's at L Braylon, B L B R A E L O N. I've invited you both to speak. Uh, if you can't get on stage for some reason, like if there's a Twitter bug, please DM me. But those are our two winners Frank Stein. Or, or Frankenstein. Oh, Frankenstein. That's what the hell it is. All right. Fr- hey, Frankenstein's on. <laughs> He's got the letters and numbers in there. Hey, yeah, it was hard. I guess. Hey, Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I figured it out, Frankenstein. Why'd you spell it that way? All right. Uh, to confuse you. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you for joining. We got Braylon Whitfield on stage. Both of you guys won. How do you guys feel? Uh, I feel great. You know, thank you. Also, guys, I've been following you since a very long time. And, you know, I think you're one of the most interesting things that's happening in the NFT space for like a, a few months now, like five, five, six months. I think you guys are really doing a great job. Great community. I think you're building here. And uh, I think it's it's really helpful for people like me who are new here and want to learn. But, you know, everything I know about NFTs is from you guys. So thank you a lot. Uh, you guys are really cool, uh, really funny, and love to be here. Glad to be winning this today. So, yeah, really appreciate it. Aww. Shucks, Frankenstein. You're too kind, buddy. I'm not even mad at you anymore for the way you spelled Frankenstein. And hey, never mind our sponsor. Let's talk about us. <laughs> Let's talk about us a little bit more. No, so I just DM'd you both, Braylon and Frankenstein. I appreciate you guys participating in the giveaway. Congratulations on winning. Uh, if you just want to reply with your Ethereum wallets, uh, that would be awesome. You know, last question for the Shrapnel team here. Well, first of all, I wanted to comment. I love, uh, you know, the fact that you guys have the kind of creator side from the like the people that are playing the game have the opportunity to create i'm a really big fan of that i believe that web 3 is the kind of the the last boss of connecting uh the audience and the the creators of you know whether it's a gaming entity content whatever absolutely love to hear that what's the sort of what's the call to action for the audience should they jump in your discord uh you know can they play the game now what's what's the sort of the story what should the audience do if they're interested in shrapnel yeah, absolutely. Jump in the Discord. We have a very lively, healthy community there. Um, uh, you can't play it just yet, but if you uh, go get involved with the operators, uh, you will be able to play it very soon. Um, so I would say that's the little bit of alpha teaser I'll, I'll drop here. Love to hear it. Well, you heard it for here first. You'll be able to play this AAA level game built in Unreal Engine soon enough. If you buy the operator NFTs, they're linked. Uh, you, you can easily find those links if you follow at Play Shrapnel. Well, shout out to our sponsor, Shrapnel. Shout out to everybody that joined the show today. And of course, everybody that participated on stage. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern time each and every day. I've curated this song based on the word Shrapnel. I just feel like Rage Against the Machine. They know a thing or two about shrapnel. Uh, We're going to be running the Web3 show at noon in an hour and 20 minutes. We'll see you guys there. Have a good day, everybody.